This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. It's Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast. It is the film review of the week where Griffin and I will dive into what went wrong and there's a bit more of what went wrong and what went right against the Las Vegas Raiders. Griffin is, if you're watching on the YouTube, holding up a drawing of what looks like a very nasty two-back run, which, we, well, we'll get into that. But Griff, overall, the tape, uh, how much cope was there in the tape? Um, if it, it, it was their first bad defensive game where it felt like the scheme was sound and on the broadcast, I thought I saw, it felt like there was a prevalence of like, oh, why are they reverting to stuff that they don't do well in against certain things? And there really wasn't upon review. They were actually pretty careful with it. Maddie, you talked about before we went live, they actually had a lot more, tools to their disposal that they use to shore up the issues presented by some of their main things like the change up calls and supplementary calls off of the same looks and um the execution just fell apart especially in the second half thought they most part they held up okay in the first half with the problem areas being Mm. tricky passing combinations on the rookies predominantly in the second half kind of everybody fell apart Although in the first half, we also had digs with some miscues, with some great plays too. Um, yeah, sort some of. Miscues. Sort of. I mean, obviously, Diggs's two interceptions kind of cover up the first half, but there was a lot of still in the first half. There was weird, like, execution errors and they, they, them just executing better as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by the defense. They actually 
you know, they were moving the line a bit. They were, they were fire zoning. They were doing things to solve like the issues they'd had in the fronts, like the the C gap issue. Uh, not just putting right. the five technique in the bare front in the C gap, but also moving the line to close the C gap. Uh, and it worked when they did it. Right, right, and then also playing like you know rotating down into middle field close to like encourage the box. Uh, to be run on and then closing that box, uh, blitzing in the nickel four down looks to again alleviate stress, you know, prevent the offense. Because if you just sit in that one front each time, the offense is going to have easy blocks and they'll block it more assuredly each time and they'll be very confident and they'll just fit it up easier and easier. So you have to change the picture. And that's what Seattle did. And not only were they changing the picture, but they were making it easier for their their guys up front to fit the run so that was big so th there are some positives and i felt this is the, one of the first games actually that i felt they had a lot of like variety in the game plan and that you know clint hurt and you, you could see sort of where it was going it wasn't as like basic I, I think they you know they've established what they want to be and they started leaning into some more variety and obviously they've had a bye week to look at their tendencies, look at what they were good at. And I think that showed up. It, it's just unfortunate that they they got suckered in the big moments. Like the run defense overall was pretty good. Like they got run on when they should have done, like when they, when they, uh, you know, they, they posed a light box, but then. They, in the first half, especially when they were in, when previously we called a problem front, especially against like 21 personnel slash 12 personnel are like McDaniels, like mm. similar to the lines there with motion, um, putting a fullback in the backfield. Um, they handled a, a large volume of those runs, like a high rate of those runs really well. And like the linebackers especially were really on top of it. Like they knew what they were being tasked with and that was encouraging. Um, and I think the linebackers really up and with the exception of that final play, I think for the most part, like they were, difference makers and toward the positive like they were doing their job with a lot of this um when they when they had problems it almost it wasn't schematic it was really like an individual player up front just absolutely falling apart and you know the, the names that come to mind predominantly were quentin jefferson and um lj collier um but jefferson probably had the worst game of his football career i've never seen him play that poorly against the run and he's not a dominant run defender um but he can be fine he can be serviceable right and he was playing like robert and did last year and like lj collier did last year now lj himself also didn't play that great this game he didn't have that many snaps to show how poorly he played maybe but um you know like with a larger sample but i mean jefferson might single-handedly be responsible for like 100 yards almost this game like it was it's linebackers can't do anything when you have your defensive tackle in your lap five yards downfield and you have to fit one of the gaps outside of him so um it was horrendous and then puna ford i was hard on him in the the game recap i thought he actually played pretty well but he had two plays that were just like really bad like he mm -hmm. kind of fell apart toward the end al woods didn't have a dominant game but he was fine but again, he didn't have a dominant game. So that's another that's another piece to this puzzle of, well, why was it so bad when one of your best players, instead of being dominant, who's usually dominant, is merely fine, 
in in junction with all the other things around him. It's another reason why it, it all comes down. Um, but more positively, I mean, Brooks has been defending the run well this this year, um, especially controlling for expectation of what the front and the call is, the box count and everything. It was really cool to see Cody Barton play with like full confidence all game long. I really think he only had like two reps where you can nitpick maybe. Um, I mean, on the front side of the play, on the back side of the play, two high, one high, you know, knowing what he needed to key, you know, how he needed to play because two high, one high, the, the what you ask of the linebacker can change, right? With the, the techniques and stuff. Um, he, he just pretty much was what they needed him to be. And not only was that crucial for this game, we can look toward the future with it, is that they needed to play base as much as they did this game and needed to play the version of nickel where he's on the field this game so that they could be versatile with their pass coverage um, because they like throwing, they like getting two by two formations, the Raiders do, and they like getting seams to this to the weak side with their with their tight end. Now, if they had Waller this game, it could have been really bad. That's kind of what makes the Raiders exciting if they keep it together um, for this offseason when they get Waller in their injunction with Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, provided they keep Carr and all the rest. But um, uh, they needed Barton out there. Like we saw with that interception play, great play. He's It might even have been quarters to that side. I, on live, I thought it was cover two, but it might have been quarters. I think it was um, pure cover four. I, I think it was yeah. cover four both sides. And they did run a fair share of uh, just straight up cover four in this game, along with their, you know, blend of cover two, cover four stuff. So it's interesting then on that note that they have a coverage tool where they let the overhang carry a seam then. Um, right. Yeah, good point. So uh, that's pretty interesting. But so they wanted Barton out there because if you're playing 515 nickel, you're not going to ask. Uchenna Nwosu, or even, I mean, you probably could ask Daryl Taylor to do it because he's so athletic. But generally speaking, you're not going to ask a pseudo-defensive lineman to carry seams. If So that's why smart offensive minds like um, McDaniels, who maybe isn't a great head coach, but he's a smart offensive mind, he wants to dictate, especially it's the Patriots fashion, right? They want to dictate formation and personnel so that they can get matchups. They can get a free seam, and it's all on the safety and quarters. Uh, In this case, uh, and yeah, by the ahead. way, McDaniel's called called a great game, which we'll get to. But yeah, yeah, I thought he called a great game, and that's kind of why I was excited by what they did in the first half, especially at least in intention, because they were playing that balancing act between can we have flexible coverage to match what they're trying to do to us, and still say sound, or at least even if you're not sound, give yourself the best chance to be effective against the run, and like on a macro level, like it was all working in theory, but it's just leakiness here, leakiness there. And then it all falls apart. You know, a missed tackle. It's like, well, it doesn't matter if your theory is great. It doesn't matter if everyone's being assignment, correct execution wise, you got to make a tackle. Right. Um, so, but moving forward, the fact that Cody Barton can not just survive, but thrive in against the run in these circumstances uh, makes them feel more confident to continue to be as flexible as they were in the past game. Um, because like that play he made the, that sparked Diggs's interception was a great play. And the fact that he can just turn and run with those things, those routes, like you showed in the chargers game, like that's the chargers are a little similar, although they do it from pass heavy formations, they still like to manipulate you. And Clint hurts reaction to that was, our solution is going to be Cody Barton to this 
structural problem the Chargers present. The solution to the structural problem McDaniels presents as looking at the guys they have available to them in, ba- in balance with the other things they have to take you know note of is Cody Barton. So the fact that they have him in coverage and he's playing that way against the run is is one thing to take from this game. I think that is encouraging. Hmm. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, you know, he's earned praise this week from Clint Hurt and Pete Carroll. So they're both seeing what we're seeing. And it's he, he actually spoke as well about how he has been playing more aggressive. And it, it was like an emphasis coming out of the bye week for him to sort of start taking his shots. And I think now they're sort of understanding the system and generally other than the big plays which we'll get to but generally i felt there was a bit more cohesion up front now there's just there was just weird moments like i mean we've we've dealt with one of the issues the uh Diggs, he was matched up on a on the running back in the flat uh, it's third and five so he's sort of playing at the sticks he gets done down the sideline and gives up the wheel route touchdown. Seattle running there, bonus fire zone, so it's basically just cover three. That's unfortunate. And then there's weird stuff like, you know, there's a play where Kobe Bryant blitzes, but the D-line doesn't seem to get the call, and so they end up with, like, three guys in the same gap. There's little bust between, like, someone probably should have picked three up and no one did, like... I just don't know how this keeps happening, but then maybe it's just, you know, they've added a bit more to the game plan this week. Maybe they're still sort of getting comfortable with that. And interestingly, Clint Hurt, he he won. He highlighted the youthfulness of the, you know, the secondary, uh, the, the youthfulness in general of the defense. Mm-hmm. But he also was, he went towards the fact that, like, they need to sort of reset after they have a bad play and they sort of get into a rut where, like, if they have a bad play or a bad drive, they can't really claw their way back from it. And, I mean, that's an interesting perspective from him. But, yeah, this this game, it, it kind of was, it became endemic, like, the little errors on, on different plays where I think, obviously, you know, McDaniels, he was in, imposing stress he'd watched like like they tried that Barton interception was a play that Tampa Bay had tried to run and I think got open and and this was the same deal but obviously Barton played it well Seattle was ready for it but like he tested them on that like jet motion into the into like the fast three to break their cover three rules which it did again like although you know Seattle was able to rally to it so it wasn't terrible but like you know, he he'd, he'd studied what was beating Seattle, and he called stuff. He spent like a whole drive spamming, uh, like uh, four strong with Devontae Adams as the backside receiver, uh, and and really worked the Seattle's uh, middle field open coverage rules and who was going to take three up and were you going to leave Adams one on one on the backside or are you going to double him and leave three up open? And then okay, you're now playing more of like a man like structure. Well, now I'll start rub rooting. Um, and, and getting into the flat and causing dodgy angles and stuff. Now, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, I said we've dealt with Diggs's, Digg, one of Diggs's errors. The other one, I think, him and uh, him and Brooks weren't on the same page for that corner route touchdown. We, we spoke about that after the in our live reaction, but I mean, obviously Brooks expected help. Diggs was playing Adams. They he they didn't communicate well enough. That shouldn't happen. Now again, yeah, it's it's kind of encouraging that you know these are mistakes. They're not like getting flat out beat but hopefully they correct them anyway you're you're saying well i was gonna just say like quarters in the red zone can get really funky especially in the short red zone right because and they had a fast three they had a fast three and because this the quarter safety is almost playing like if you get you don't get verticals or like dig routes you get slants right so you you want to help you want to help your corner or whoever is matched up inside on the on the slot receiver you kind of the the safety wants to give help but then to the trip side if the mic is also matching the three he's thinking i'm going to build a fence all the way toward the end of the end zone it was a good beater again it's a good beat it's a good beater so if you get something you know outbreaking you know it's not if you think about the same play call like a double china concept in the middle of the field you would never have if a mic has all of three you would never expect that mic to then to take the route all the way to the sideline. Like it never ends up playing out that way. So by virtue of the fact you being on a short, shorter field and that safety might be coming down more downhill on a slant or whatever you get there, that it would be, it's just the same principle applies. You're the, the mic with inside leverage, then pushing all the way to the sideline, he's at a disadvantage on that route. So there would need to be help there, but then you also understand why Diggs is nailing down. So in effect like you said it's a good beater it's it's something you call it's something you see against red four they call it red zone cover four um so uh that one's just tough um and yeah like the the first play the first touchdown digs gave up like you said he's coming from depth to come down on a flat route it's really awkward to come downhill pivot 180 and then go back toward the end zone like that's just that's tough and i don't know if that was a design wheel route or not I think the running back kind of improvised um, and Carr just saw it. But when, you know, one of your best players, Quandre Diggs, has a little bit of a rough game in those areas, you know, it's like, well, maybe it's just not your day, however you want to frame it. Now, the interceptions he made were fantastic plays. Like, you, you, you we, we should be raving about those plays, in fact. Like, on the, on the first one, it was uh, pocket play action, and it was like Y-cross, I think. Um, mm-hmm. from under center and digs digs squeezes or he not squeezes he nails down on the cross because he eliminates all other threats he knows that nothing yeah. is coming and he was Devonte adams running it and it's Devonte adams so he digs likes to be aggressive on teams that have a tendency to attack the intermediate middle of the field like like tennessee last year they run a bunch of drift mm-hmm. right or you know, play action digs and digs was his, his normal depth was changing that game. He was playing more shallow. He's playing tighter. So he knows what teams do. So that was, he earned that, 
that interception that's that's film study and execution um and on the field smarts there on the second one yeah cody made a great play but like he read that all the way um and and, uh and he came to it also i think brooks also contributed to the tip as well because he's the middle hook defender and he sees the given that it's quarters across the board the mic goes strong so brooks continues to like zone drop but then he melts weak with the number three with the running back and he ends up like giving giving the defense layers so there's like a like a line of defenders and he is able to he almost tips the ball himself but outstretched cars having to throw over two defenders now car will do that no problem but it still affects the throw um and maybe that gave maybe that affected the velocity on the throw to put just a touch more arc on it helping cody but it was just good team defense everywhere and Diggs is all over it you know coming from the other hash right um so i mean in a lot of these instances especially the vets came to play with like concept recognition but then like there was a third and two early in the game where um where like bryant gives up something to the flat where he's it's called a two three push so you get a fast three he has to fall off two and then as three crosses face he has to stay leveraged with and go get him and he's just late to it like he just isn't cognizant of that's what's happening so that's rough there's the third and, and four again, that's yeah. that's what hurt is saying when there's there's young players out there and i think we are starting to see a few more like growing pains every now and right. again and then there's the other third and four um, combination of Tariq Woolen and Josh Jones gave up that corner route early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, short yardage is tough when you're a cloud corner. You want to play, I mean, generally normal down and distance. You want to play top down, defend the deepest route first, right? But he has a smash route, so a corner on top of him and a hitch underneath him or a flat route underneath him. And granted that it's short yardage on third down, he feels moved to squeeze the um the flat route a little bit more because he wants to tackle it and not let them convert um but then that means you could give up the the corner and josh jones is not explosive enough i i suppose to to contest but it's a hard route to contest generally Mm -hmm. um so it's just a tough spot for them to be in so yeah i don't don't know i'd be curious to know yeah well the the big question people have i think is what actually happened on the 86 yard touchdown run yeah so they gave up a toss run where earlier in the game where it was run to the weak side and they're spinning into like a too deep look after disguising and you know that was an unfortunate one where the tackling just sucked and that they, they did have some poor tackling in space in this game that was one of those where it's a good play call but you should make the tackle for like uh they had it at like five or so yards because he still had uh, cornerback force out there. But that was tackling. Now, the 86-yard uh, game winner for Josh Jacobs, that was that, that was tackling, but before that, they just didn't fit it upright. So Griffin's kindly drawn it up here. And essentially, it, I mean, it was quite clever from the Raiders because they'd been running a lot of uh, wide stretch. So the fullbacks going what would be going wider and the running back would be going wider. And Seattle kind of got a bit lucky against that. Like the fullback got a bit lost going wide. Seattle was able to run it out to the sideline when they're in the two deep look. And they were able to get like pretty good stops along with some of the plays they just straight up won. Now, interestingly on this play, the nose tackle and I think 
because Seattle was technically, they may have been running something called luggage where they don't technically, it's not technically a bear. Uh, it wouldn't be the same. Basically, the nose tackle shades and they they shade the coverage to the, the threat, which is Devontae Adams. So it enables them to play a cloud more often to Devontae Adams than the other receiver. So it's not always going to be quarter, quarter, half. However, in this look where the, the uh, big 86-yard game-winning touchdown run happens, Seattle's in quarter, quarter, half. So it's exactly the same as the, the tight wheel six stuff we spoke about. Right. And and as Griffin has drawn up here, the Raiders run ran ISO. Now that was a problem for Seattle because the way in which that was blocked up, uh, Cody Barton he is correct in falling into his A gap with the way Seattle's fitting it. If you look at drawings of Fangio's uh, Eagle Six, which is the same looking front, that linebacker fits the A gap because the nose tackle shaded into the other A gap. And the way that they blocked it was the center and the guard doubled the nose tackle and then work, looked to work up to Barton. The cutback is still a threat. Barton has to play it and the running back's path is tight. So but Barton still has to play it. Now, the front side kind of deal which was going on is Brooks took on the, the fullback and he spilled the football. Because the way Seattle fits this is they have Barton is the backside kind of lever player, but he has a gap. Then they have Brooks, who he has technically the C gap, but he's more like a spill run through player. And then the outside help is supposed to be Quandre Diggs, fitting kind of the C gap also. But I mean, it's it's more it's more he's just the front side turn back player. He's the That's outside where, help. That's where and geometry that, gets you. That's where geometry gets you, but that's how Seattle has done it in the past. Is how uh, Mr. Bo Pelini he he did it, and obviously he's been influenced by Pete Carroll over the years. A, a big part of his thing is sort of constantly saying that a too high safety is the front side lever player or the backside lever player. Anyway, so what happened was Brooks spilled it and he took it on pretty thick. And interestingly, Pete Carroll wasn't talking about that play in particular, but he was just talking about Brooks. And he said, um, hold on, what did he say? Oh, yeah, linebacker, he said linebackers get in trouble when they get, because linebackers, when they get in trouble, they get out of position. And sometimes, you know, he's such an aggressive player. Pete said about Brooks. Now, he didn't mention that play, but I think that was the play in his mind because Brooks was so aggressive, he smashed downhill on it. He was saying about how Pete's, uh, how Brooks still has a bit to learn. And I think it is sort of like, you know, his aggression sometimes does get him in bad spots. And but he still spilled the football. It was just it was just a bit wide, a bit thick, and it did it didn't fully uh fully do well, it. Now it did it it did hit inside him. So he ends up losing the, the block yeah, on the yeah, fullback. Yeah, and, he, and he got he got kicked out. It. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't so, spill it. But I think sorry, you could go ahead and go ahead and finish your thought. Well, yeah, if you had a thought. Yeah, so basically, then Clint Hur, interestingly, he he said that the having a solid fit with the outside backer in the corner was the the important part. And then he said, obviously, the the two high safety defense, the ball should never go for eight six yards because the two the two high safeties should come up and one of them should make the tackle. Right. Which was Josh Jones who took a terrible angle. But you were, you were saying about Brooks. 
Yeah, well, so it, I think first we start with, well, like you have already started with, when this, this you've got seven blockers, so eight gaps, and then initially in the box you have seven defenders. So, so when, you're, when you're outnumbered in the box, you then have to make a decision. Either you are trying to fit the run with only seven primary run fitters against eight gaps. So that means someone has to two gap or the defensive lineman one gap and then the linebackers have to play a two gap technique where they would have to like flow with the or track and stack the flow and then fall back if necessary like they're just basically both the two of them are handling three gaps basically um or you can pretend like time and space and numbers and arithmetic doesn't exist and you just pretend like this quarter safety right here, he's a primary run fitter. So if there's lead action toward the wide tight end, like you were saying, Maddie, that he's, you just pretend like he's in the box the whole time and he would take on the front side shoulder of, of a, of a fullback, you know, on paper in theory, Brooks, the inside shoulder, and then Barton right there. So you're pretending like you're fitting the run from too high while you're playing gapped out one gap principles, meaning you've got eight defenders for eight gaps or seven defenders for seven gaps, so on and so forth. Um, in this instance, because, because digs gets picked off, like you were saying the corner, he would need to fold in or replace mm. and he would be right there to make the tackle, the, but he doesn't, he, he stays outside. Yeah. He stays tucked outside with now, Nwosu, and now they've got two extra defenders, but yeah. I really I think Nwosu should have um, the way the way that all played out and the communication they had pre snap. I think Nwosu should have just made got an inside move in there, and in which he's done a be, lot of this year. He does, too. A, does tons of yeah. I think the problem though is that he, they were like you were saying they were expecting some toss or zone lead, zone stretch. Mm -hmm. So he's thinking, I need to just set a hard edge. And they'd had a lot of that. This is the first time they saw an ISO run out of this look. They they had ISO from a like a fake 20 personnel technically it would have been 11 but they had yeah. it from that and seattle fit it brilliantly because they had uh lever spill lever um cover three kind of look in there right this now, though they had not seen and i think they just they just got got one one last thing though i want to say though because they i think what comes down to brooks playing this getting caught and playing this the block not well he doesn't play it wrong per se. He doesn't play it well is really, I think, the operative term here is that because they're trying to play gapped out from too high, you often have the way you engage the, a blocker from the second level. You take it on more thick, so to speak. So you try to get more square down the middle and then work to the leverage that you need to as opposed to something shouldering the guy. Well, by the way. Yeah. So like they have plenty of examples this game where they're gapped out or or Brooks is the, the front side lever defender, even if they're too high against stretch. So he can play more aggressively and like shoulder rip guys or speed rip guys. And he was thumping guys doing that. And he had no problem getting the, the proper leverage because this came more downhill at him. And he's the spill defender in this case. He's trying to take it on thick so that you can buy time for that the safety coming from depth to come down and play. Even though you're playing gapped out he doesn't get to play as aggressively as he normally would and i think he also was thinking because he gets wide at first he gets wider than he needs to i think he's also thinking in his mind 
some sort of stretch play or toss play. Yeah. yeah. So he gets too wide and he gets out of position and then goes, uh oh, I, now I got to play my technique. So he kind of, he kind of just shoulders him through the middle as opposed to the guy's inside half. And then he just gets his feet messed up. And then the, the tackle, the, the, the fullback doesn't even block him per se. He just turns, which effectively blocks him because it's a game of leverage, but he doesn't like move Brooks's body per se. And that's just, the angles and the way he takes it on and the mindset of, you know, it, it messes him up. And ISO really was a great change up to the lead and toss plays they were running, right? Or the zone lead stuff. Um, I think all in all, though, the issues they had in the run game, as far as like, how do you solve it other than like individual players up front play better, like they had been playing prior to this point. Maddie, you said this. I think that they just, they keep the same structure, the same schematic identity and all the beats and everything but they just spin down into cover three from those looks slightly more often mm. as often as they feel like they need to to not just get the numbers right but then let individual players then play faster because again you're allowed to play more aggressive when you're gapped out versus when you're out gapped regardless if you're trying to fit it gapped out or out gapped so right I don't know. and you know what like there's those two big runs and then, as Cody Barton said, if you take them out, which obviously you can't play games like this every week, but if you take them out, the run defense is okay from an average perspective. Like, they, they did fine. It's just, and yeah, it's just it's just bad execution. And, I mean, hopefully it finally fixes itself. It's just, it's a bit crazy how it uh, seems to happen every time. The other problem they had was they got got on third down like they just they just got got on third down and the balance of the Raiders offense didn't help like there was a lot of kind of you know third and six and under which is like that cutoff point for well it's, it's sort of manageable right and you know I, I'm not sure what their cutoff point is exactly but they can still uh they they have more run it a bit they have more things up their sleeve on third down that they can trot out when they think that there's a mismatch problem. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and I, you know, Seattle kind of got worked on third down in this game. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's really disappointing because the last time they faced a team that has Devontae Adams when not a whole lot of talent surrounding him, in this case due to injury, was – course the Packers game last year and their game plan was really solid again I especially their third down game plan um but I, I suppose we're going to see more things to give individual defenders more help in the future I don't know if that means like more straight to man I thought um, they did I thought they did a fair bit of that though well not yeah, two man but right. like I felt I felt they did like a lot of I they, don't they really need... know what more they could have done they just car like car I think, well. I think we they could see more I think we could see more robber cover one robber yeah there's like get, two snaps to get double that. coverage there's like a bracket on Adams once I think mm -hmm. yeah but also just to get like when, when it, it takes them the younger guys out of situations where it's gets complicated because in cover mm -hmm. once I just have my guy and then but then also like we've said they can have issues or Kobe more so one-on-one because -on -one, it's so hard mm -hmm. in the slot, especially for Ricky. That's where you can play, you know, I think you, you middle rotate the safety more. I don't yeah. know. 
We'll see. For me, though, this was like overall, like it's a good game for them in, in, in the future. In that they, this was important for figuring out, you know, their schematic buckets. Like we need to do a bit more of this. We need to do a bit more of that. Uh, you know, your min maxing or your favorite phrases. But you know, the the addition of well, not the addition, but the the added uh, fire zones and line movements and like tools to alleviate stress was there they just had two kind of nightmare things uh fitting the run and then i mean the the passing stuff uh mcdonald's just called a heck of a game car played great and seattle just couldn't quite get stuff going in the in the pass rush i don't know i mean if they make the playoffs that will be the sort of game that they that you you know, this game could happen again from a, like, they can't get off the field and third down if a team plays imbalanced. But um, they're just lacking, like, a good edge rusher opposite Nwosu, really, which is what we said live. Like, that's going to hurt them. Like, Taylor needs to warm up or it's not going to happen, so. Right. Right. Um, I agree. That was the other element of this game, pass rush. And when the pass rush rule was okay like had a good moments um car just mitigated it i mean he was awesome in the pocket and he was awesome in the pocket against the broncos Mm -hmm. the previous week too i should say um mike jackson actually played really well against in his reps against adams and tariq woolen was kind of not thrown out at all which i it'll be interesting to see if that's a trend or not but the one play that i have him being thrown out other than overtime was he like anticipated a Matt Collins dig route before it even broke across, which is like really special. He undercut the heck out of it in cover uh, three technique. So he's he's doing things. So that's, that's good. cool. That's, that's great news. They just need a bit more pop up front anyway. Right. So Off- Griff, offense. And honestly, uh, it's almost easy to to get comfortable with how good some of Geno Smith's uh, throws are. But in this game, he had like some crazy throws, like ridiculous throws. Like, you know, it's easy to to say. It's a bit of a, I'm not sure it's true. If it was was Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, it would be on SportsCenter. Like he's throwing over hook linebackers. (laughs) Like he's like effortlessly, yeah, effortlessly hitting the seam. He's coming backside and rifling into intermediate windows. Like, He's making some crazy good throws, which I mean, good for him. He's he's getting his the money's worth out of out of the pocket too, even after like previous plays where the, everyone got beat. Like he's not giving up on them, mm. the 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 protection, um, like just almost for the sake of the exercise. Like work the pocket as though you're going to have a pocket every time. Like that's his mo. Um, he he hit down the sideline, three perfect balls. One was interfered with. Um, it was well defended. I wouldn't have called interference unless I missed something. Uh, but it was still like perfect location. It's really cool that, yeah, no, I agree. Like I didn't even bat an eye at some of it. I'm just like used to it now. Like it's just a thing now. Like I'm not like every time I'm like, oh, wow, he keeps doing it. It's not a son of fluke. Like this is Gino now. Um, and he wasn't perfect. He had some weird misfires toward the end of the game on those zippy balls um, mm-hmm. to Tyler Lockett. Yeah, they're, they're a bit worrying to me because obviously – you know, we, we would like him to finish or to win a close one. Now, he has done that, but... Well, he put together... He did give him a go-ahead lead, though, late. He did, he did. But it's just apart. like... Yeah. 
And I think he started the game a bit angsty because he was getting like watching this back, he was get the pocket was getting moved. Like they were not winning at all. And that was actually pass rush. Only Damian Lewis was the only person holding up. Right. All the other four were getting beat um in different ways too. Which um, then raises a question, like, I don't know why they didn't chip and chip release the back more and, you know, because they've done that in the past. Like, they've, they've used more seven-man pro, six-man uh, yeah. pro. But this game, it felt that was lacking a bit, which is kind of wild when they are struggling so much up front and, you know, Gino is having to make stuff work. And also, the Raiders' corners, like, they were not covering... Metcalf and Lockett deep down the field. Like Gino just need a bit more time to access some deep stuff. Like there's plays where deep stuff looks to be coming open, but he couldn't quite get well, there in time because the, the the they just didn't have the time in the pocket. The, which the pre- I think five man pass play is difficult anyway. The prevalence of empty even. Right. Where like the the defense knows you're in five man pro. Um and they well, motion like, out. Like, and and like I get empty, but yeah, and so, but then Gino was good in empty though too. Was the he I is. mean, some of his best plays were in empty yeah. th- this game. Um, I just felt so, they left meat on the bone in like the downfield passing game, and I felt they agreed. could have made their protection easier. Like, agreed. Now, on that note though, it's cool that they achieved what they wanted to achieve downfield, look wise and stuff. Because granted, they did hit some fade balls. They um, they used a lot of the the full house pistol looks or pony personnel, right? And and getting that that um that raider um graham defense patrick graham's defense um which has troubled seattle before um they were able to get the clear one-on-ones outside even when they were in too high so that was that was cool that they were able to manufacture that that they used 12 personnel to great effect now i think their game plan for helping the protection this game was the prevalence of empty or, or i'm sorry the prevalence of quick game sorry um and they were Gino was able to access the second level in quick game and 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 hit and hit the um the first level as well, which is what quick yep. game's meant for. Um so I mean they scored 27 points. They they were able to move the ball. They scored 27 points with two turnovers. Um so with, with the fumble and the interception. Um so like like this I, th- I thought all in all, the offense had a good day for the most part in terms of, you know, being able to Did, move the ball, right? Am I missing something? I thought they scored 34 points. Oh, did they score 34? Yeah, it was 34-40. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, they scored 34 points. And, and you know, Gino didn't have his best game, but he had a good game. And, you know, the protection was getting eaten mm. half the time. And um, the other thing which didn't help, Griff, was the run game. Now, I've been the run, in your oh, assessment. Man. Uh, well, so so P- I don't think there's one answer. I think it's a combination of factors. Obviously, there's an, it's not like a black and white thing. But um, interesting, Pete brought up on the radio that they had a power call that for a second looked a little cloudy, and then Ken started his feet. He said he just didn't see it. Which like I then saw that play. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Pete highlights this because it is one of those where if Ken just hits it, it, it goes yeah. to the score. But like it's one of those where if you're rapidly fast forwarding through the film, you might be like, "Oh, just stuff drawn." But the lane yeah. was there, and it, and I think I don't know. What's your assessment of Walker first up, Griff? Yeah, I mean he has he has problems with 
reading plays out, you know, on the fly. Yeah. It's yeah. sometimes he reads it too well to a fault and he ends up dancing in the pocket more or in the pocket, dancing behind the line of scrimmage with extra steps because he'll see, you know, just a flash of the other team's jersey in the gap and think, oh, that gap's canceled. But then sometimes he'll want to work back to that gap. So he'll press to the other side. Yes. Yes. But the he's way so he presses weak. is so over dramatic, though. Yeah, he, it's like do a subtle, like, like instead of pressing backside, press the butt of your lineman and then bounce it. Because it's but so just... over dramatic, he almost, he like run, he runs the, the space out. He, 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 yeah. it, it is, it's, uh, it's almost heavy handed. Like it's, uh, there's no subtlety to it. He's yeah. sort of bashing the keys. <laughs> now, now, so, so Nate Tice, cause he loved Ken Walker watching him in college. He described him as controlled chaos. And mm -hmm. I think he's always going to be chaotic, but it will work with more experience so he right. just needs to learn nfl game nfl speed and everything what he can and can't do and his style will translate i mean obviously because this was going on in the this was going on in the games where he had like big rushing totals as well right. it just so happened that that actually ended up setting up defenders later down the line like and you know he he some of it worked a bit better you know and yeah. I, I do think one thing is teams are really really telling that backside uh, edge defender like you know squeeze down the line because he's going to cut back to you and he like will do the heavy-handed thing see that guy there and then he'll try and run back into the, the lane he's left which was there yeah. and it's like it's gone now like it's the NFL yeah. can't do stuff like that yeah, yeah. so like he, he needs to look at some propositions where he knows he's only getting three to five yards depending on how he pushes the pile and just to kind of accept it like just get north right uh, but you don't want to beat that into him too much no, no. because you also it's a delicate balance. Um, now, the easiest way to solve this is just to have better blocking, too. <laughs> that would help because the blocking was poor. It's it's only like what we just talked about was in the few examples where the blocking was good. He didn't really take advantage of it. Now, maybe it's hard for him to know what to trust and what not to when it's so poor outside of it. You know, and it was it's, inconsistent. It's give and take, um, but they, were um, kind of, they just lost up front, didn't they? Billings had a few uh, nice plays where I think he'd probably studied what, like how Austin Blythe executes down blocks, and he sort of beat him across his face, and they had a good stunt going on. I thought Blythe like, had two bad plays, but then the rest of the interior struggled, the exterior struggled. Crosby set edges great against Abe Lucas. Like, yeah, um, they need to trade for him, man. I don't care. They need to trade. Okay. Trade for Crosby. Right, there trade we go. Crosby. Anything else, Drift, on the offense? Um, no, I think they just need to stay the course. And I mean, like, I really thought there were a lot of cool schematic things this game. Um, like more, a little bit more gun running again. Like they're they're hiding tendency everywhere. They still passed a lot, you know. So they're like they're they're being chameleon like um formationally which is cool because yes. then that defenses can't track down tendencies on them so um yeah always useful yeah right so griff next up is the rams and ty and i have already previewed uh their injury situation and the fact they're missing matt stafford wolford alan robinson your guy Cooper Cup of the past guy and I've Aaron Donald. 
Oh, you moved on, huh? Well, after that didn't yeah. pan out, you're just like, no, no. He was more. He was more when he was good. That was more of a Russ specific no, thing. Notice, uh, listener, how cutthroat Griff is. Very, very quick to move on. Hmm. It's always at the back of my mind. Um. Yeah. Watch yourself, Betty. Mm. Uh, offense, defense wise, they are facing a defense they've faced quite a few times this year. They're facing their own defense, really. Um, with a bit more too high and a bit more forward right. <laughs> yeah, and and much less man. Like like they are almost completely zone. Hmm. Um, so Pete I don't. Carroll think... had an interesting. Sorry, Pete Carroll no, had an ahead. interesting t- statistic that they've given up the least amount of explosives in the run and pass game. Really? Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Which is a run of twelve yards or or more, and a pass of sixteen yards or more. That's bizarre because I came across a stat that like contradicts that a little bit. Oh, it, it was very, it was contextual. It was, it was specific to something. And mm. I think I it was it. like, I think it was like something that was really damning of Bobby Wagner, even though his PFF grade is like Ooh. the best linebacker in the league. Oh, dear. But it's like, it's like the number of explosives on balls caught between like zero and 15 yards over the middle of the field. Now that does not necessarily mean that's on Bobby Wagner because it depends no. totally on the call, the formation, but that is his well, general area. To me, uh, and also explosives on runs in between the B gaps. So B gaps and A gaps, very specific, oh. but someone sent that to me mm. and I was like, Oh wow. And they were, they were, they said, Bobby has not been good on tape because they watch the Rams a lot, despite yeah. his grades being very right. high. So they were digging for that. Uh, to me, that confirms also like more. It's more about the calls they're calling to keep Bobby from having to run vertical with someone. Like he is in the low hole or pushing yeah, From what I've seen, they don't ask play. him. They don't ask him to do anything. No, no, he's just sort of out there. Which um, I mean, he's good at diagnosing runs and right. He's a bit slow. He's good at shedding blocks still. Like he's good at feeling and the, the play. And he's obviously got a wealth of experience and, and quality football behind him. But team leader, all that. He doesn't really do anything. Um, yeah. I mean, probably have very... a great game and force like five fumbles. But yeah, I've said this. Yeah. But um, so because they, they because they don't play a lot of man, I don't. I think they'll just keep DK on the left side. Um, or because because Ramsey's a left left side corner. Um, Ramsey, or, or he, but he's also having a bit of a down year. He's he's busting a lot of zone assignments. He is because um, he's trying to make plays that he shouldn't be trying to make. Like just They're play. Pressing. Yeah. So I wonder how they handle that. You know, half quarter quarter there will be a one on one on the weak side because um, they play so much half quarter quarter, and then they spin the cover three. So. Um, we could cover three. So I'm, I wonder if, I don't know. I'm curious to see what they throw out there. I don't feel like they'll have to use a lot of pistol for like coverage identification purposes. I feel like they know what they're going to be in. Right. They'll just be, can, can you beat it? So now, I, yeah, I suppose yeah. we'll see a lot of, a lot of, a lot more under center this game with a heavy dose of under center runs. That would make um, sense. And then by virtue of that a lot of, play action as well um what they do in empty will be interesting hmm. but 
I look forward to seeing Gino pass over the intermediate against them. Now, on the other side of the ball, obviously they're very injury depleted. I imagine, now, uh, we were asked a question actually by Dan Thompson about why Devontae Adams was really open on a certain play. And it was the same thing which came up in the preseason and I was a bit confused by because it's where a team runs a bootleg to the cover four side of half quarter quarter or quarter quarter half. And so what happens is the cover four corner gets run off, the cover four safety kind of brackets that vertical route, and then two routes come from across from the cover two side and the deep half safety doesn't run with it and the cloud corner doesn't run with it. And so then you're asking your nickel, your vertical hook player, and your middle linebacker to flow outside with the run fake and then try and get back across with, with the pass and the race routes coming back across the middle. And with Bryce Perkins under centre, I imagine that's what McVeigh will try and get into that kind of deal as well. Now, the way Seattle plays it is they ask, I mean, in, in an ideal world, the linebacker takes the fir- the, like the shallower um, the shallower crosser route and then the nickel finds the deeper one. But Brian and Barton both went for the same one in the Adams example, which if you want to know when that was in the game, I will post it in the, I'll post it in the description of this YouTube video, but, um, or in the comments, I'll post it in the comments, but I think that's what McVeigh will go for this. Uh, he'll, he'll go for his sort of, you know, get Perkins moving out in the pocket, run the your bootleg stuff and, uh, yeah. Griff? Um, I agree. Uh, 24 10 Seahawks. Well, ah, you didn't, you didn't, um, you didn't have any knowledge of what the over under is, what the, the spread is. You're crazy. You're crazy. Um, you, you've gone in blind. Do you usually go in yeah. blind? You're a yeah. madman. What, what are you doing here? So I'm, I'm the, I think the the over under is forty point five, and the Seahawks are plus uh, 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 five point favorites. I would take the over. I think the Seahawks will win uh, thirty one to seven. That's a new one. Hmm. I'm trying to find the stat, man. Oh well. Oh well. Oh well. Well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in live. Please like the video. Please comment if you haven't already. We see you in the comment section. What's up, uh, everybody? Thank you for joining. And please do review the podcast. Five-star reviews. Follow Griffin at CMikeSpinMove. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. We appreciate you. And we'll be back on Sunday with, hopefully, a reaction to the seal from winning again because they've lost three in a row now, and I'm sick of it. And they need to start winning if they want to make the playoffs. And they've got to beat the Rams. Surely this time they can beat the Rams. (laughs) Please. Goodbye. Goodbye.